Welcome to the Pants Cast, brought to you by Lululemon, a show about all things pants. My guest is Matt James, former NCAA player and Lululemon ABC pant enthusiast. Hi, great to be here. Matt, tell us all about those ABC pants. The comfort? They're like the pants I put on when I don't want to wear pants. Versatility? You could wear these pants to a wedding, but you could also wear these to a cookout. And what about style? They're like if casual and cool had a baby. Well, it's clear why you're an ABC enthusiast. Pleasure having you and your pants on the show. Thanks for having us. Find the shockingly comfortable ABC pants at lululemon.com. We got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. It goes down in the deal. It goes down in the deal. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Everybody and welcome to the Mainland Podcast, episode number one hundred thirty-five. Uh, I am your host, Michael Citro, and uh, I am the managing editor and founder of TheMainland.com. We cover all things Orlando City and Orlando Pride. Joining me, my co-host, as always, David Rowe, one of our uh, esteemed writers. Dave, how you doing? I'm confused and frustrated, and uh, you know, feeling a bit proud. Well, uh, we're going to do something a little different this week, folks. We're not, we don't have a guest. We're going to keep it very casual. We're going to keep it really, really informal, kind of like Major League Soccer's video review policies. Uh, I'm glad I'm wearing shorts. Just going to keep it real cash, you know, no sense. Uh, <laughs> we tried to get a guest for this. I wanted to have on uh, referee Silvio Petrescu on the, uh, pro- uh, the program this week. I, uh, I ran outside and yelled his name a few times, and he didn't mm-hmm. answer. So I feel like I put in a little more effort than he did in reviewing uh, a very controversial call at the end of the uh, Columbus game, which we'll talk more about a little bit later. Um, yeah, no doubt. You, you absolutely <laughs> put more work in, that's for sure. <laughs> so, um, all right, well, why don't we dive in? We've got a lot to talk about. Uh, we start off with... A trip to Philadelphia in the U.S. Open Cup that did not go well for Orlando City. In fact, it it went rather poorly. Um, Four minutes in, Alejandro Badoya scores a goal off of a set piece and makes it 1-0. And uh, that was it. That was all the scoring. Um, You really hate for it to be uh, a pretty pretty brutal goal. way to give up a goal early in a game you hate that it's Alejandro Bedoya of all people that scored it and you hate to be out of the U.S. Open Cup but this was a game where you know James O'Connor had some uh some options he could try to come back with as as good a lineup as he could probably try to muster for 
uh, purposes of going for it, as they say, uh, and making it a, an honest effort to win and, and advance. Uh, he could have uh, gone with complete squad rotation and and tried to win it with uh, mostly a backup squad. Um, there were definitely definitely some options available to him. Uh, one of the options that was not available to him was Yoshimar Yotun, who came down with an illness uh, after the uh, the game the previous weekend, the win over uh, Toronto. So um, you know he went out, he, he fielded a strong lineup, Dave, and I felt like this was a a, a, a clear message that the Lions were taking this uh, tournament, this competition seriously and wanted to advance. Uh, but we talked about last week uh, the difficulties involved in playing a game on short rest against a team on the road against a team that did not travel and played only a friendly uh, over the previous weekend. And, uh, you know, they got to rest most of their starters for most of that friendly. And you could definitely see a difference in the jump in the legs of those uh, players on each side and uh, particularly uh, was more pronounced after the early goal. Without a doubt. Um, and, and you had uh, last week rightly predicted um, the difficulties facing the Lions uh, in that match, like you say, with um, uh, them coming off uh, a uh, easy, you know, friendly versus uh, the Lions having, you know, played a, a regular season game. And um, O'Connor did the best, I thought, with what he could. It was, you know, is it what you would have done, I would have done, or Joe Blow that makes comments on the website would have done? Who knows? Um, probably not. But, um, you know, even even with the substitutions, um, there was there was lots of questions. But I, you know, like you said, he, he had Dom out there. So, I mean, he had the primary goal scorer out there, you know, to go for it. Um, and uh, no Yoshimaru Yotun, as we've seen, uh, ever since the World Cup starts, that hurts uh, Orlando any time that he is not available. Um, so that would be a big thing. Of course, uh, the landlord uh, in between the sticks, uh, the one goal that uh, Bedoya scored, not much he could have done about it. And I thought the rest of the night he did a pretty good job. So that was a, a positive that I took out of it. Yeah, I mean, uh, Earl Edwards Jr. coming up very, very big again uh, in that game. Um, he, in fact denied what should have been a sure goal on the corner kick uh, when uh, Fafa Pico got a free header and uh, just point-blank range. Edwards stops it, but uh, not really much he could do about controlling the rebound from that uh, distance on a powerful header. So he just got the piece off of it that he could, and um, it just happened to fall right onto Bedoya's foot. So uh, just unfortunate uh, bounce after a good save. And, um, you know, it, it was just a you could just see the difference in energy levels between the two teams. Um, Jim Curtin, to his credit, uh, the Philadelphia union coach decided he was going to attack with speed up the, uh, the two flanks. And uh, they caused a lot of problems for the Orlando city fullbacks in that game. In fact, um, you know, it was a very lopsided uh, type of game. It seemed like in terms of chances, Orlando city's chances were pretty few and far between and uh, Dom Dwyer was pretty isolated up top. It was not a whole lot of attack for Orlando, not a lot of being able to hold the ball. And especially the last 20 minutes of the game, they couldn't even string two passes together. It was just lump the ball up the field and hope you don't lose it. And uh, more often than not, they, they didn't win the balls in the air. So uh, just right. a, a really tough, uh, tough game uh, in the midweek 
uh, for Orlando City. Uh, Justin Miram did not make the trip. That was the big news. He didn't. Uh, he didn't. Wasn't in the 18. Didn't make the trip. And uh, we'll talk more about that and what that might mean a little bit later in the show as well. But uh, really, uh, other than Earl Edwards Jr. making some saves, there really wasn't anything to talk about after the early goal uh, on either side. So a pretty boring match. And yeah. um, you know, Philadelphia Union did what they had to do. Hats off to them. They get to host now the. Uh, semifinal match against the Chicago Fire who took care of business quite handily against Louisville City um, which was the last non-MLS team left in the competition um, I think we're both probably going to be unanimous on man of the match being uh, Earl Edwards Jr. but uh, you know I'll give you the chance here to surprise me uh, no surprises there folks Earl Edwards Jr. definitely man of the match uh, he like I said early on he came up he came up big and often uh, even if it wasn't early um, so uh one side note, I thought Shane O'Neill did a, a good job in his debut, but uh, but Earl stole the show. Yeah, that's a good point. I forgot to bring that up. Shane O'Neill makes his uh, Orlando City debut. Really played a spectacular game uh, for Orlando City. He uh, he had a, one in particular moment where he uh, had to go 1v1 with Corey Burke, and not only did he win the ball, he just completely inserted himself between Burke and the ball and allowed uh, Edwards to come over and, and pick it up. So uh, just some really good footwork from him. I thought... Uh, he, it was a very impressive debut, and uh, James O'Connor must have liked what he saw because uh, Shane O'Neill got the start again uh, on the weekend against the Columbus Crew. And why don't we turn our attention toward that? I have a feeling we might talk about this for a little while. <clears throat> this one might take a little bit of attention. Yes, yeah, so Orlando City uh, at Columbus, they come out, and the Lions uh, get on the board uh, with a goal from Sasha Kleschen. Uh, almost got on the board two minutes in, Yotun hitting the post. Um that would be a big post, as it turned out. Um, at the time, we didn't know it, and uh, you know, although all all posts are are are, uh, are big usually uh, when you know you're talking about a, a game like soccer where there's not a lot of goal scoring and the games are usually very close. Um, but Orlando City goes takes the lead, uh, leads at the break, something that they don't do very often, and um, no. come out of the break and right away they gave up the goal, one-one. Uh, Unfortunately, Shane O'Neill not. Uh, good on this particular play, uh, a ball into Jossie Zardes, who uh, was really kind of in between the two center backs in, in the middle of the area. Nobody on him, nobody kind of, everybody was kind of just marking air, both uh, both Schuler and, and Neil on that play. And uh, that one moment of switching off gave uh, Columbus the, the equalizer at the time, made it 1-1. On we played, and, uh, you know, a very uh, good counterattack. One thing that we've seen since James O'Connor has come aboard is a more cohesive counterattack by the Lions, and uh, they were able to score off of that, uh, coming back, taking the ball away in the corner from uh, Zardes uh, on a play that um, Columbus fans felt like was a foul. There may have been some contact there, but I think that Tony Rocha got the ball before the man, and I thought he took it cleanly before any contact was made. If there was... Uh, I don't know how significant the, 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 you know, the contact really was. Zardes went down to try to sell it. Didn't look like he needed to go down. Um, Petrescu didn't buy it, which was um, interesting as the way things uh, turned out. But uh, you go the other way, and a couple passes later, you get it to, you get it to Higita. Higita gets it to Yotun. Yotun makes a man miss, goes forward, and just slots an unbelievable pass behind the defender for Kleschen to run onto. And Kleschen 
who already had a goal, decided, you know what, I'm going to let somebody else score it. Slides it over for Stefano Pino, and uh, Pino made it 2-1. Uh, Pino had had a couple of really good opportunities before that that he did not cash in on, uh, so it was good uh, that he was able to make it 2-1. Yeah, um, that if Pino had missed on that one, um, then we would have needed to send him back to USL because uh, I, I think I could have made that one. Uh, but regardless, you know, uh, unselfish play by Clushton, um, you know, to get the assist instead of the goal. Uh, like you say, it's you're feeling pretty good. This is, you know, multi-goal game now. They've uh, come back after you know giving up the goal early in the second half. Things are looking, you know, pretty good. They're they're playing well, as you said. Um, they're much more. Uh, the attack. It's not that they're a more attacking team. It's that they're a better attacking team. I don't know what it is that uh, O'Connor is is drilling into them in practice, but whatever it is, it seems to be on that level at least working. Um, I I think he still has a lot of pieces he wants to get pieced back together, but um, they they definitely showed you something uh, with that that counterattack and that goal. Yeah, just a more cohesive look on the counters. I mean, the counters aren't just lumping it up to Dom and hoping, you know, it's a, it, there looks like there's a plan. There looks like there's a, a strategy of where people are supposed to go, where they're supposed to link up, and uh, it, it's, it's nice to see. But uh, Pino makes it 2-1 at that point in the game. Probably could have been two or three, um, you know, or, or one or two more goals for Orlando. A couple of good chances that uh, that went a little bit wanting, but, um, you know, there was a lead. And uh, it, you started to feel kind of good. The team was staying organized. You know, Columbus, you knew they were going to get some chances, but uh, the, the team was staying. Like I said, they were organized. They were, they, I mean, even the set pieces. And, and Columbus got 17 corner kicks in the game, Dave. Yeah. None for Orlando, 17 for Columbus, and uh, none of them really looked all that dangerous. It was always pretty well dealt with by uh, mm-hmm. Orlando City, so it was good to see that. Everything looked kind of good. You just thought, you know, you just hoped that they didn't get, you know, find that one guy open, or you, you hoped that there wasn't that moment of falling asleep. You, you hoped that there wasn't that strange bounce that just fell perfectly for them because you knew they were going to keep coming, keep attacking, and uh, and they did that. And, uh, you know, Orlando City uh, just kept kept uh, kept defending. You know, it was their third game in eight days. Some of those guys played all three games. It was it was evident that some of them they were starting to run out of gas late. Four minutes to go, Dave. And the roof completely caved in with uh, one call that I can still just not even believe was made. I mean, how many times have we seen routine balls go into the area? Two guys go up for it. Maybe there's a little bump, and nothing ever is ever called on these because of the light brush of contact. And in this particular instance, Patrick Mullins decides to go down. He falls backwards, uh, which is interesting if he was supposedly hit from behind. And Silvio Petrescu, you know, he he buys it. He says, yeah, uh, yeah, penalty. And he goes to his ear a couple times and makes the VAR sign to the players, not to the crowd, and points to the spot again. So you didn't go look at your own play. I mean, I understand the review process in terms of an offside. You know, the guy up in the booth is going to have a good look. You probably can trust him to make an offside call, unless it's the LAFC game. Um <laughs> And in this case, he just doesn't – is he just too lazy to walk over to the monitor? I mean, 
I don't know what is going on in his head because there was such a light brush of contact that it's insane that a foul was called because if that is a foul, Dave, anywhere on the field, let alone in the penalty area, you would never have any running play ever in a soccer game. Everything would be free kick, free kick, ball gets kicked, free kick, ball gets kicked, free kick. And that's the way it would go the entire game until the ball got in the box and it would be a free kick, ball in the box, penalty. Because anywhere else, this would have been called. uh, This would have been called for simulation. I mean, hello. (laughs) It's it was it was not uh, it was not good. It was not good. It wasn't handled well. It, you know, you could see why maybe Petrescu would think that there was a foul on the play, but if he doesn't go and re, rewatch, there's no chance for him to change his mind. Now, how, you know, John Freeman, the, the, the video assistant referee, doesn't see a clear and obvious error with the call there, I have no idea. I mean, I have, I have, I have seen exactly one person online who is probably just being a contrarian. Who said it was a penalty? Every, literally every other person, and everyone that you would actually put any stock in their opinion on. And even those that you don't, Atlanta fans <clears throat> said that it wasn't a penalty. Columbus fans, Atlanta fans. I mean, it, it's Everybody. not a penalty. It's it's just not in any universe a penalty. No. Um, but it, it it reminds me that I forgot to say something earlier. That was that after the second Orlando City goal, we got the obligatory 90 second delay to see if it was really a good goal, even though it was obviously a good goal all the way around. Well, sure. When we score a goal, we have to make sure that <laughs> there wasn't something untowards happening uh, on the part of the Lions. Yeah, I think Garber's on the other end of the line there. When he we talk, touches his <laughs> ear, it's like Garber's like, I can't see anything that we can. Uh, now, nah, I just don't have anything I can overturn right here. Um, but yeah, so it, Petresco's it, like, uh, Don, are you there? Yeah. So Zardes uh, steps up and makes the spot kick as two, two. And, um, you know, there's still time to get a point on the road, but, uh, then of course you get the will trap wonder goal out of nowhere, which he'll never do again in his career, uh, which he's never done previously in his career. <laughs> and all of a sudden you're, you, you've got no points in a game you should have won. And it's, uh, it's really, one Incredibly of the games, frustrating. one of the games that will leave the worst taste in your mouth of any g- game that we've seen. And that's saying something. I mean, you know, it's, yeah, it's not, we're kind of used to it at this point. It's a pattern. I mean, people said, Oh, Adrian Heath should stop complaining about the officials. Oh, Oh, oh Jason Christ should just stop complaining about the officials. Well, you know, to his credit, James O'Connor didn't complain about the officials. He just said, look, I'm not going to talk about them. You, you all saw what happened. I don't have to say anything. Uh, it's, you know, a little bit different tactic. Maybe things will work out better this time. But uh, it, it is frustrating. It is completely unnecessary. It, it's 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 James O'Connor's been in charge of this team for three MLS games, Dave. Mm-hmm. In his first, he had a tying goal on the road disallowed for a not clear and obvious error called a clear and obvious error. The, the referee on the field called it a goal, good goal, didn't call it offside. The AR didn't call it offside. The video assistant referee called it offside when there is no view that shows a clearly offside Justin Miram. So that would have been 2-2 with about, what, 20 minutes to play in L.A. Uh, yeah. and, uh, and all the momentum on the visiting team. They come home and they win. Okay. Uh, they go to U.S. Open Cup and they, you know, they lose that one and then they go to Columbus. And then you're winning a game with just minutes to play, just a few minutes to see out. And that call gets made. It is really hard for me, and I said this on on Twitter, 
it's really hard for me to tell the conspiracy theorists that no, no, there's no conspiracy against Orlando City. I don't have a leg to stand on anymore. No, we've said it – well – for years now, we've been saying, you know, don't mistake incompetence for a conspiracy. But when the preponderance of evidence keeps piling up on us, um, we're getting buried in it. And like you say, no leg to stand on. We're we're drowning in bad calls. Uh, so when we try to say, hey, there's no conspiracy, all it comes out is like glurg, glurg, glurg. Yeah, I mean, I, I just don't know. I don't I don't have any. I don't have a leg to stand on when I say, no, no, it's just uh, they're just bad. They're just bad at their job. How can you be this bad at your job one direction all the time? Isn't there two directions? Wouldn't you eventually make a bad call that gives Orlando City a game, just gives it to them out of nowhere? You would think Not only so. that. Well, not only that, but, it, okay, if let's say there wasn't a, uh, a video um, system in place to double-check these things. Um, then, okay, yeah, all right, you know, mistakes are made. This one should have gotten called at that second level. Now, yeah. I understand MLS does it different than they did in the World Cup, but as we all saw, the VAR in the World Cup worked really well. It did. So, it, it did for the most part. There was the most part, really not, well. not a lot of complaints about that. There was, I think, maybe two like, late in the tournament, but up until that point, everything went really smoothly. And so if I'm MLS and I'm you know, an early adopter of this, which they are, I'm saying, hey, everybody saw that. Let's let's go get some tips from what they did in the World Cup as far as using this system. And see if we can't make it better. But they don't seem to be interested in making things better, including their response or no response to this call. Yeah, the the pool reporter that you know, and I, and I know the guys up there. In fact, our Guillermo Torres was at the game, and he the pool reporter and, and the reporters that spoke to him were very careful to try to not let the referee just say it's a VAR issue and I don't have to answer. They did a good job of crafting questions that that request that you know that required an an answer out of uh, Sylvia Petrescu who by the way I put in my in before this game he was in my triumvirate of of the three worst refs in MLS along with Baltimore Toledo and Ted Uncle. Those three are the worst. Geiger gets all the headlines but he's not as bad as those three. Those three are awful. Oh well, um, Uncle Uncle is a is a meme for bad refereeing at this point, and I think Petrescu, we're going to have to figure out one for him as well. Yeah, Toledo and Petrescu have have made the the worst calls I've seen, and even before there was an Orlando City, I've 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 not liked uh, some of these referees. But anyway, um, you know, I I don't know what to, we can't really say anything else. I mean, it, it was a it was a it was a disgustingly bad call. Everybody saw what happened. But do I expect a makeup at some point? No. Everybody said, well, mm. these things average out over time. Well, the law of averages average out over time. This team's going to playoffs on bad calls the rest of the way. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> and 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 or if or, or for the next two and a half years, we will get every single call. And uh, you know what? I don't I, I I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I think there aren't are not favorites uh, in MLS. Uh, I will I will point to Joseph Martinez scoring a hat trick this weekend uh, a week after he like quite blatantly headbutted someone and didn't get suspended. You may recall that for what looked like just a trailing elbow, PC got an extra game in the opener this year. Right. You, you may recall that a 19-year-old used foul language and got a three-game suspension. He used it in a closed-door friendly before the season and got a three-game suspension. 
but Joseph Martinez, nothing. Comes out and scores a hat trick against, uh, who was it, against D.C.? Um, but, you know, it's just, uh, I think there are favorites and there are non-favorites. And I think, um, I would say Orlando City's not high up on the favorites list based on what no, I've seen. we're not. And, <laughs> you know, Mr. Garber, uh, I know you already got lots of money. If you like, we can start a GoFundMe account if it'll help. Here's the thing that bothers me. If, if I'm Flavio, Augusta da Silva, the owner of Orlando City, I have spent pretty good amount of money to get, get an MLS team to, to purchase my, you know, ownership of my franchise. You know, it's obviously it's a, it's a single entity league. So you're really not an owner per se, you're a shareholder or whatever they call them. Uh, but I'm, I'm on the phone. I'm on the phone saying, you know, could have saved my money, could have kept it. If you were, you know, if you were just going to make me waste it, you know, you could have just let me know that. There uh, are other leagues that I could have gone and started a team in. <laughs> I mean, USL uh, was maybe the place we should have stayed because it we didn't we you know you saw bad calls there, but I mean come on you didn't see anything like what we're seeing now, and they didn't have the the, the video review system in place there, so um, you know a bad call was a bad call, but uh, you know now it's a bad call is inexcusable because there's no reason not to overturn that, and shame on Sylvia Petrescu for not having the balls to walk over to a video monitor to see if he'd made a mistake or not. Well, and and shame on him for after, you know, getting off the field, all of the feedback to then just go to say nothing, to not address it. Uh, you know, uh, be be man enough or or be proud enough in in your work to own up to making a mistake. You know, it's not going to help us get the game back, but I think everybody feel at least a little bit better if the man came out and said, "Yeah, I screwed up." Yeah, Sean wrote a story about that on our site, and um, <clears throat> I agreed with him. I, I think there, you know, what one thing you do is you diffuse a problem and you calm everybody down if you don't double down on it. Now, what he said after the game was that, you know, we we're talking about the pool reporter. They crafted a question. He said that R.J. Allen basically charged in from behind. I saw him charge in from behind and commit the foul. Okay, well, he was behind him. Did he charge in? I mean, he ran next to him and jumped. Did they bump? Maybe a little bit, but I yeah, mean, but they were shoulder to shoulder. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't like any. I mean, if he gets him in the back of the shoulder, even even if that's like not strictly within the laws of the game, there was so little force there that Mullins didn't even move sideways. He just threw his arms up in the air and fell down when he landed. That's all he did. And there yeah. was not nearly enough force to have done that. It was just, it was ludicrous that that actually worked. I mean, Orlando City does that, and they don't get the call, you know? They don't get that same call. And it's uh, it's really just, I, I mean, you can't even put words to it. So, it's, I mean, you know, we should It's like you on. said, we're, we're getting to the point where you and I have to have, have defend it against conspiracy theory for a long time, but it's, yeah. it's getting to the point where it's getting incredibly tough for us to continue doing so. Yeah. I'm not going to defend it anymore. I'm just going to move on. I'm just going to say, well, you know, it is what it is. And I'll just pro going to pro. So, uh, anyway, a three, two loss where a, a two, one win once stood. And you can't say that Orlando city would have held on for the win by any stretch of the imagination, uh, with, uh, still at that point in the game, um, four minutes to play and, you know, a few minutes of stoppage time. But, you know, Columbus is a team that had been really struggling to score goals. They had been frustrated all night. Um, 
I feel pretty good that the team comes away with at least a draw. Yeah, I mean, let's assume that Trap still gets his, you know, incredible goal. Well, you're 2-2, two, two, not 3-2 uh, if they haven't point. gotten that easy one. It, it's right. a road point. It's a t- it, This is a team that needs positives. That would have been a positive, even though it would have felt kind of like a negative at the end of the game happening the way it did. Uh, it, it would have still felt like they took something off the road uh, from a good team, a playoff team. And, um, you know, it's it's just a shame. So I, I, I feel bad for James O'Connor because in two of his three games, he's won one of them. And in the other two, he's got absolutely screwed. Yeah. And not only that, but um, it, it sours what otherwise had been a game of, you know, plenty of positives. I mean, yeah. you know, we, we kind of talked about that, um, it, you know, with the counterattacking, with coming back, with, you know, uh, getting the first goal. Uh, there was there were so many positives. And, and we didn't even mention Earl getting uh, hurt and going off and Joe Bendick coming back in. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know. That was that was tough for Earl. He went out uh, early in the game. You know, uh, he turned an ankle on a play in the in the box where um, I think it was Will Johnson that got him uh, coming back, trying to trying to uh, break up a play. Was it Will Johnson? Maybe it was Shane O'Neill. It was one of them uh, coming back yeah. to try to break up a play, and they they did break up the play from Pedro Santos. Took the ball off his foot, uh, so he didn't get a shot off. But uh, unfortunately, there was a collision. He rolled his ankle a bit, and they tried to play through it. Uh, from about the 26th minute to about the 30th minute or so, and then they had to go off. Joe Bendick came back on. Bendick played yeah. really well. He made really, one really outstanding save, some uh, yeah. quite a few, you know, sort of more routine saves. Uh, but the the one really outstanding one on Mullins before Mullins uh, flopped and changed the game um, was uh, save of the week material. If they still had a MLS save of the week. And there was, and like we said, there was nothing he was going to be able to do. There was nothing anybody was going to be able to do against Wills. Will Trapp's goal. I mean, yeah, it, was, it was it was ridiculous. It was perfect. So uh, you know, there's there's no blame there for for Bendik. And um, you know, anytime you have to uh, goal keep against a penalty kick, you know, you're less than fifty fifty because um, even if you guess the right side, there's no guarantee that you're going to get it. So I mean, that's I, the two that that were scored on. I, I can't really. You know, I I can't really blame him for him. Bendik uh, read the play right. He uh, he dove the correct way, but Zardes uh, put a lot on it, a lot on the shot, and it was it was just a too tough, to, too powerful to stop. Uh, so you tip your cap, uh, Will Trap. You tip your cap to him. It, the, the other thing too is if it's not a conspiracy, it sure as hell is bad luck for Orlando City. I mean, what are the <laughs> odds that Will Trap and Alan Gordon both score wonder goals late in games against them from from as far out as they were now? This is where you go back to the, the heavy legs. Third game in eight days, and you you had to play Pino the full 90 because other guys had to come off. Chris Nigita was cramping up. Uh, you had to make the goalkeeping change. Um, you know, he wanted to get Kleshton off because Kleshton had played 180 minutes uh, or you know within the last week and then played another 60. Um, that means you can't take off Pino. Uh, Pino is the guy who should have closed down Will Trap, and he tried. Right. He didn't get there. And, uh, you know, he made a sort of a token jump. But, you know, Pino's a guy who doesn't play a lot of minutes. So at that point, he had been just dead, too. I yeah, mean, it's hard to close down somebody when you're just dying. Uh, you got no you know, got no breath in your lungs. You got no uh, nothing but lactic acid in your legs. And uh, it's you know, it makes things tough. I'm not excusing him, but I'm tipping my cap to Will Trapp because he'll never make that shot again. Well, you know, there you go, Will. Yeah. <laughs> 
Of course, it happened against us, but you know, like you said, that's that's, that's it's the, just the luck of this team. This if team, it wasn't for, if it wasn't for bad luck, we wouldn't uh, have any. I don't know if the stadium's built on an ancient burial ground. I don't know if somebody pissed off a, a gypsy. I don't know. Something happened. We need and, to get a very short uh, lady to uh, come in and make our house clean. Yeah, we need an. We definitely need an exorcist or something. I don't know. Something's gotta. Something's gotta change. Uh, man of the match, Dave. I'm going with Sasha. Goal and an assist. Yeah, goal and assist, uh, and and played well the rest of the time he was out there. Plus, coming off of 90 minutes, you know, the previous uh, match against Philly, and I even and I did the the five takeaways for both of these, and I even mentioned in the one from the uh, Philadelphia game that you know it was interesting that he he didn't get pulled off, and I wondered how it would affect his game at Columbus, and you know even though he only played six years, so he did excellent, and when he was out there, um, there was. You know, nothing, there was no problems I could see in his game. Like I said, even having played that many minutes. So, yeah, Sasha gets man of the match for me as well. I like what uh, James O'Connor's done with Sasha. He's uh, he's keeping him deeper. He's getting on the ball more. But he's also giving him freedom to roam forward and get into the box. And he's he's making sure that people are, are, are staying sp- you know, properly spaced. I think that was a lot of the problem with Justin Miram playing next to question is that there was not proper spacing. Uh, you know, Justin likes to cut in on that right foot, that favored right foot. Well, now he's cutting into Sasha Kleshin area and then you're, you're bumping, you know, bumping into each other. You're bringing defenders closer. So if you got two guys on one and one on the other, now you got three defenders on two attackers who are just standing right next to each other. I think that, that this adjustment has been great. And that brings me to my next point about Justin Merrim, who um, it, it's been a damn shame that he hasn't been playing because I think that that James O'Connor would have, you know, rectified the situation if he if he fixes the spacing issue. Both Question and Merrim should theoretically be a lot more productive. And Merrim mm-hmm. would have been nice to have seen him play with a little bit of fire and passion against his old team. I mean, that would have been fantastic. Now he's missed three games. Since the LAFC game, he hasn't dressed. He didn't travel uh, to the Philadelphia-Columbus trip. He uh, is now the subject of rumors. Now, here the rumors are that he's on the trading block, that he may get trade, traded back to Columbus. Uh, there's been another one that says a, a deal is very close with FC Cincinnati. Um, either of those would make sense uh, for those teams. Uh, I think the Cincinnati deal would probably make more sense for Orlando because you're not going to get anywhere near what you gave up to get him from Columbus to get give him back to Columbus. Correct. So it's just a, oh, we rented this player and it cost us a crap load of money and we didn't get a whole lot out of it. Um, I am all for the redemption arc myself. I am for him saying, you know what? I want to be a part of this team. I came here. I want to finish this. I want to see it out. I want to turn this thing around. I believe James O'Connor can do that with him the way he kind of has with Question. Question in his three MLS games under James O'Connor has two goals and an assist. His first assist, by the way, since the last game of the six-game winning streak. So Question yeah, is back to being, you know, more or less Sasha Question. He was he was a very instrumental player. Uh, in each of the last two MLS games for Orlando. And he actually didn't play poorly against Philadelphia. He just didn't seem to have a whole lot in the tank uh, for that game. But um, I'd like to see Miriam, uh, you know, come back and do this thing. The other two uh, teams, I think, were were Portland and Vancouver, I think, were the other uh, Yeah, it sounds right. Teams. If I'm Orlando, I'd certainly, if I'm moving him, I would like to move him to the Western Conference. I mean, this is a guy who killed Orlando in the past. And... Um, 
you know, you know, he if he does leave, he's going to come back here with a chip on his shoulder. So, um, you know, the my first choice would be to give, you know, if they have to trade him, and I think they should only trade him. Uh, as we wrote today on the site, uh, if he really desires to go, I mean, at that point, you don't hold the player hostage. You have to, you know, ex- you know, say, all right, this we're gonna, you want to leave, we want to make you happy because that is good business. Because then other players won't say, well, I don't want to go to Orlando because then if I'm not happy, they won't move me. Right. Um, you kind of have to do it, and uh, it's the right thing for the player. It's the right thing for the club. So I'm my my choice would be first, send him to the Western Conference. Second. Send him to FC Cincinnati, and hopefully maybe, you know, they're feeling uh, we really need to, to make a statement. Let's get us uh, this player. Let's uh, give up all these assets because there's a lot to work with there. There's there's uh, expansion draft picks. You can say, okay, well, well, we want you to take X. You know, we want we want you to take the player that we want you to take, and then give them to us. Or you know, there's international slots. There's um, you know, all kinds of allocation money for a new team because they haven't spent any of it yet. So there's there's a lot of uh, a lot of possibilities there, a lot of flexible options to trading him to FC Cincinnati. Last thing I would do is send him back to Columbus, um, <laughs> because number one, um, first of all, his reasons for wanting to leave Columbus are still valid. That team still could move to Austin. He didn't want to be in that circus. Um, and, and second of all, you're going to be facing columbus twice a year every year yep well you know when when justin came into orlando um he looked like a man on a mission and i i think that like you said with the the lack of uh of spacing up top um between him and sasha and and all the everybody trying to figure out how to work together i think that that made it a little bit more difficult and then the team goes on a losing streak and then you know he's got other things that that's going on obviously family stuff so there's a whole bunch of things that snowballed but it would still you know unless he's soured on you know the city and the fans and and the the club you're right if o'connor and i'm hoping it's just that uh, you know, I don't know why he hasn't dressed, but uh, hopefully it's something that O'Connor's addressing. And, um, you know, maybe we, we see him in the 18 uh, next game and, and give him that opportunity. Because you're right. Um, you know, he's O'Connor's coming in. I don't want to say he's fixed question, but he's allowed Sasha to do what he does. And, and that's resulted in, you know, like you said, it's resulting in goals and assists. So if, if he can do the same thing with Justin and there's no reason to think that he couldn't, um, that's the best case scenario for Orlando because no matter who he goes to, certainly not Columbus, but no matter who he goes to, we're, the, the return on investment is not going to be what we want it to be. Mm-hmm. So I'm, you know, I'm with you uh, in, in the order of how I hope things happen, but I'm, I'm very much hoping that we find out in the next uh, day or so that uh, he'll be, uh, he'll be suiting up in purple again. It, it would be nice. I, I think this would be a great redemption arc. I'm, and you know, uh, there's a segment of the fan base that doesn't like him because they, he, he struggled and, you know, when he finally did score, you know, he, he, you know put the, the, the fingers in the ears celebration because of tuning out the haters, that kind of thing, which wasn't directed at everybody. It was directed at the people no. that have been yapping at him. It was, it was directed at the people who have been hateful. And I don't, I don't really, 
I don't hold that against them. I know there's some people that do. There's some people that think he's a big baby that he's done, that he's not tough enough, um, or that he's or even more ludicrous that he's making up the thing about uh, you know people wishing he was dead or whatever. Uh, it's no. it's not in his character. It's not what I from what I've seen of his character from what the Columbus media guys who I'm close with some of uh, have told me about his character. It doesn't match up. It's never never been what he's about. So I don't uh, I don't care for that. I think that uh, that kind of talk is 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 stupid and, and, and needs to stop. And I think that, you know, people say, well, you know, he's his his situation. He'll never be able to win the fans back. Come on. He scores a couple I, I, goals. He'll still win the fans right back. And I, I'm glad you brought that up because what came to my mind uh, in the past 24 or 48 hours when I've been thinking about this is no Torino. Yeah. Uh, there was a time where No Torino was was getting you know practically booed by the fan base. They were calling for his head. You know he's over the hill. We need to get rid of him. Blah blah blah. Suddenly No Torino turns a corner. He's playing yeah, excellent. And all of a sudden everybody loves you know Noche and, uh, and you know now we got people going. Oh, wouldn't it be nice if we still had him? Well, no, I don't think we need to have him right now. But point being is that that kind of turnaround, like you said, look, winning solves a lot of problems and scoring goals makes a lot of people like you. Yeah. So if I mean, he can do that, like then he's he, back in it. It's not like he dragged the the team name through the mud and got arrested and, and did something despicable. He just hasn't <laughs> been productive. Right. You know, he and all he has to do, because fans are very forgiving, because fans will take a, a convicted felon back in a heartbeat if they're scoring goals. If he goals. scores goals, yeah. And, and <laughs> I'm not saying all fans. I don't want to paint everyone with that brush, but a, a large – a large segment of the population will forgive a lot of things um, if, if you know, if the guy's being productive. And I think that Miriam hasn't really done anything wrong. He's only struggled. That's his his entirety of his uh, his entire litany of sins is he has struggled to score goals and and provide assists. And the assists are not all his fault because guys aren't finishing plays. He he should have two or three more assists in this on this season. So, uh, you know, it's it's not all bad. And even every game, even games that he's not been his best, there have been two or three great moments by him that that nobody else on this team could could pull off except for maybe Yotun. Yotun can run at yeah. at defenders, and Miram can run at defenders. No one else on this team can run at defenders. Yeah, no, that's true. Um, Mueller can run into them, have the ball bounce correctly, and get beyond them. Yeah. Um, that's something Mueller can do, but he can't. He can't run at him and get around him. Not not in the uh, conventional way. Right. So anyway, um, one way or the other, before this uh, trade window or the the transfer window closes, we'll have our answer on Justin Merrim, and I, I hope he stays here. The team needs another capable offensive player. Um, Josue Coleman has not uh, produced as as much as we'd hoped, and and you know I said early in the year he's a teenager. He's it's a lot to put on a, a teenager, you know, leaving his country and and going to a new culture. It's a lot to put on him. Are we seeing the same thing in Atlanta with Barco? Not uh, Barco's getting a lot more minutes, and he's not doing a lot more with him. So it's not always about play your kids. Uh, there's, that's the, the saying: play your kids. Everybody wants to see your kids on the field, but Coleman's gotten some opportunities, and he hasn't really done a whole lot with them. So. Um, well, and our man of the match certainly wasn't a kid, so. Yeah, he'll get there. Coleman will get there. He just looks like he's just not quite. He looks like a teenager, <laughs> and, and people want Pierre de Silva to play. And uh, Pierre de Silva, again, a teenager who's not even really showing enough in training to make the 18, but people want to give him a starting spot. And 
because they say, well, why not? What, what, what's the worst that can happen? Well, you can lose by five goals instead of, <laughs> you know, that's the worst that can happen. You can lose uh, worse. Yeah, yeah. So, um, by the way, Pierre got loaned out to St. Louis FC and was man of the match uh, for their 2-2 draw the other night. He had uh, the game-tying goal, although he'll never score an easier goal than that. It was a, <laughs> a rebound off the goalkeeper that was sitting on the line. He just had to nudge it. <laughs> it was... hey. Yeah, but you know what? Goal's a goal. Right. So he did score a goal. And, um, uh, you know, that's not the only good thing he did in the game. He wouldn't have been man of the match oh, of just course. for that. So uh, congrats to Pierre. Uh, all right. Why don't we turn our attention to the Orlando Pride against the Seattle Rain? Let's do that. Like um, I feel like it. Uh, I feel like this is a, a story we've told before, though. I feel like we should get dressed up for this, you know, put on a tie. Oh, OK. Because uh, that's what happened yet again. Fifth straight time these two teams yes. have drawn. Uh, all three meetings this year, both meetings last year, this was 1-1. Um, the unlikely heroine of the game early, Tony Presley, who uh, scored a surprising goal of the week candidate. I think much of the goal itself. It was a great uh, deal of pressure for for the pride. Uh, and she ended up finding the ball and uh, putting it in the net and it wasn't really anything fancy about the goal itself, but it was nice that the Orlando Pride took the lead, uh, mm-hmm. 1-0. Um, unfortunately, just not able to score that, that elusive second goal. And, uh, you know, as as we've seen so many times, the Pride, uh, the pride give up a second, uh, give up a goal, and uh, not really able to do anything else after that. So it was 1-1. Uh, Dave, we're going to talk about officiating again a little bit. Yeah, yeah, we are. Um, I don't want to talk too much about officiating. I, I have, I've been of the opinion throughout the three seasons, the pride have been uh, playing that the NWSL referees as an average, as a whole are worse than MLS referees. So that's what I think of NWSL referees. That's, that says a lot. This particular referee, I'm not blaming the draw on this referee, so let's get that out front. I am not blaming the, the, the Pride did not create enough chances. They weren't sharp enough in the final third. Um, so I'm not saying they should have won the game. But I will say that I'm getting a little annoyed over the last several games, the discrepancy in the number of fouls called against the Pride, considering, and as Tom Sermani even admitted the other day, one of the least physical teams in the league. Uh, the foul count was 17 to three. The pride had 17 fouls and only three for Seattle. Now Seattle is a little bit more of a physical team, mm-hmm. but apparently they do it very, 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 very cleanly. Um, I, I, I saw uh, Sydney LaRue get called for getting pulled back by Steph Catley. <laughs> uh, Marta get called a foul because she uh, put her shoulder up against the shoulder of rain player and tried to go around her. Uh, I, I don't even know what to say. I mean, it's, it's, it's not just this game. 17, three coming into this game. In fact, the pride was still middle of the pack in, uh, in fouls uh, called in the in, in WSL. So considering the fact that they've been so badly, outnumbered in terms of fouls lately um, says a lot because it was basically kind of average. It was, you know, most of the games, you know, like fouls were like 10, eight, 12, 10, 
you know, pretty normal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, no, that's not uh, that's not the way it's been of late. Um, I can uh, I can give you the numbers. Would you like to hear the numbers? I do want to hear the numbers because I do feel that they tell the story better than we ever could. So it's it's seventeen to three fouls, seventeen fouls for the pride, three for the rain, three fouls in an entire ninety minute soccer game. That right there is unbelievable, but it yeah. gets better. Okay, so that's the last game. The game before that at Utah, 16-6. Again, Utah only having six. Utah is one of the more physical teams. At Houston, the game before that, 10-2. Two fouls in 90 minutes, and they didn't get the first one for more than an hour of the game. We've talked about that. Yep. Just the last three games, 43 fouls for the Pride, 11 for the opponents. I'm a, I was an English major, not a math major, but I can do a little bit of math, and that's nearly four times the amount. And in two of those games, five times or better than five times the amount of fouls called. <laughs> that's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. It's it's quite ridiculous. It's that's something that needs to get looked at. Tom Sermani had no answer for that. Um, I have no answer for that. It's again, this is not a physical team. This is not a team that that uh, is dirty. It's not a team that you expect to see these numbers from. Uh, the ten at Houston was probably fair, quite honestly. Ten fouls committed, yeah, that's that's probably about right. But two for Houston, I don't think so. I watched that game and it wasn't ten to two. Sixteen um, six at Utah. No, I don't believe for no. for a minute that Utah only committed six fouls in that game. They were the home team. They maybe get a break there, but a, a ten foul break. Uh, at least you know, at least the Pride got the win there. And then uh, right. against Seattle, uh, fourteen more fouls for the Pride in a game that was incredibly evenly played the entire game. The entire game was that was it is. There's a reason that these two teams have drawn all three times this year they're extremely evenly matched yeah and it's it's not like i i know that tom sermani said that he wanted to be a more physical team this year i I can only assume that the refs heard him and and are are making making it up in their heads that they are because there's there's no reason for it to be this lopsided like you said i mean even if the like Utah is getting the the home uh, advantage. Uh, it's not a ten foul home advantage. I would give them a four foul home advantage, but that would still mean that they got away with six that they shouldn't have. Well, I mean, even you just cut that in half and make it sixteen yeah. eleven, you know, or cut a few off Orlando's or whatever. I mean, it's, not every not it's, every it's reasonable. Every time Seattle went down, the the whistle blew, and every time there was a fifty fifty where both players went down, Seattle got the call. It was really. It was really – it had to be – you could see it was frustrating some of the players. You could see it was frustrating Marta especially. Oh, yeah. And she's not one to hide her uh, emotions. So, uh, yeah, it, you could definitely tell, especially when it was called on her that one time. It, it's it's not something – when you're one of the, historically one of the best players in the world, you're used to maybe getting the calls, not having them go against you. And two of those were really big. The one on Marta and the one on Sid both took away scoring chances. Uh, and really good scoring chances. So it, it is unfortunate. But again, I'm not blaming uh, the loss on the officiating. I'm just pointing out that there's been a really bad discrepancy for the last three games for whatever reason. I don't know if 
the the Orlando City owners uh, something maybe ran over the dog of the head of pro referee organization. I don't know. I'm just I, I can't fathom why this is happening. The pride thing is is very sudden. I mean, it, the NWSL referees have, have, are not good, but they're usually not good both ways. But lately, lately, and I and it's again, it's the last three or four games. It, it's not. I mean, even the, if you go back the fourth game, uh, the the uh, Washington Spirit only were called for five fouls the game before that. So it's like, is it impossible to foul a pride player? I mean, is it just that hard to commit a foul against Orlando? Uh, evidently. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm a big uh, a big advocate of, of uh, evidence and data, and the evidence and the data says yes, it's incredibly hard to uh, to foul an Orlando pride player. I mean, the, the average for the last four games is four fouls one by Orlando players in 90 minutes of play Not, plus stoppage. No, four times 90 minutes. Oh yeah, yeah. The no, average, you're right. The average, yeah, you're right. The, the average. average is 90 minutes. Four. It's 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 bad. It's bad. It's yeah. <sighs> anyway, we move on. It was a one-one draw, and um, so Orlando did not uh, did not were not able uh, the pride were not able to jump over the rain into second place. It would have been a huge win because it would have given Orlando City Orlando Pride the first tiebreaker if they finished level on points with the rain because they would have won the season series. Uh, but nope. So the rain remained a point ahead of the Pride with a game in hand. So that's uh, going to be tough. So the Pride are really. They got to get some wins down the stretch. They got to they got to win some games, and um, you know they'll come back from the tournament of nations. They'll get sky blue at home, and uh, and then we'll we'll see what happens uh, here down the down the stretch and see if they can get back in the playoffs. Uh, missed a very good opportunity to get a home win against the rain, um, but again, uh, when every time you touch the ball, you're uh, you're getting a, a free kick the other way. It's it's kind of difficult to you know get any rhythm. So, uh, player of the game, Dave, I'm going to go with Tony Presley because of her being the only, the only player to score for the pride. And also, uh, she saved the prides bacon with a back save, uh, as the ball got in behind, <laughs> uh, got in behind, uh, Haley Kopmeyer and, uh, hit Tony Presley in the back and, uh, that prevented a goal. So I would say a big save on one end and a goal on the other end is, is pretty good. Oh, Haley, Haley Kopmeyer, a very close runner up. Uh, absolutely. Um, yeah, I've got to give it to Presley as well. I mean, um, getting the goal, I mean, just you, you feel great for her on that one. And then uh, sacrifice the body on the other end. It's it's pretty much a no brainer. kottmeyer has been uh, great, uh, of course, with Ashlyn Harris having been uh, called up by the uh, inscrutable Jill Ellis. Uh, so um, but it's really nice having her um, as your backup goalie when, you know, she could very likely start at other on other teams. So um, very nice there. I wonder what would have happened if the pride had Morgan and Harris and if, uh, you know, Rapino had been playing for Seattle. That might have been a more exciting game. It might have been. And the only way we would ever know is if Jill Ellis decides that the NWSL is important. Yeah. Well, I mean, if Jill Ellis in her defense, all of the teams named the United States pulled their players from NWSL games. That's true. Every United States team did do that. Not any Australia, Brazil, or Japan team did. But the United no. States team, for some reason, felt that that was important to do. Yes. <sighs> what are you gonna- I'm glad the others didn't because we've got a ton of those players. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, that, that, that would have probably not been good even 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 more. 
I mean, who knows how many fouls the Pride would have had without their Brazilians and Australians? Oh, geez. 30, 40? At least. I don't know. Uh, we'll move on. Tournament of Nations is coming up, Dave. Three, uh, we already we already said uh, the teams. They're going to be playing a round robin. Three three dates, uh, three double headers. It'll be the United States and Brazil, Australia, and Japan. Those four teams will battle it out just like last year. Uh, no NWSL games to interrupt from here on out, Jill. Uh, you can maybe keep your players in camp and make them miss the Sky Blue game. I don't know. Um, <laughs> she'll have to have them there for the cool, cool down period. Yeah. So, uh, that will be again, uh, this coming week. We've got some, uh, got some games coming up and, uh, it's going to be, be interesting. It'll, it'll be fun. It's a fun tournament and a good, yeah. good warm up for uh, world cup qualifying as the United States will be getting ready to, uh, to try to win CONCACAF and qualify for the world cup next year. Um, uh, Morgan Harris, of course, are, are playing for the U.S. The Australian team uh, has selected both Alana Kennedy and Emily Van Eggman and former Pride players, Steph Catley, uh, Lisa Devanna. So, uh, you know, plenty of familiar faces there. The Brazilians, all four, got selected. I was a little surprised that Camilla did, considering she's just now coming back from injury. But Camilla, Poliana, Marta, and Monica all called up for Brazil. So... Lots of reasons to watch if you're a Pride fan. Yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, between you know, you, you've got people on uh, three of the three of the four teams that you can you can root for. Uh, not to mention the fact that you know these are going to be some of the you know better teams in in the world, and it's it's just. Hot. It, Fans of the podcast know that uh, you and I both enjoy watching women's soccer. So, I mean, I'm, I'm certainly going to be tuning in and, and seeing how it goes. It's just, it's, you know, World Cup's over. We got to get as much soccer as we can. Yep. And uh, World Cup's over and World Cup is just gearing up to, to get ready. Because that's 2019 World Cup is in France and we got to get ready for that. That's very true, and uh, of course, um, the really nice thing about that is uh, the U.S. is going to make that tournament. I think they got a good uh, shot. So yeah. they got a good shot. So uh, we may, uh, we 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 might be able to wear some red, white, and blue uh, in the next uh, in the 2019 World Cup. So that'll that'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. It wasn't that long ago that the U.S. had to play a, a play-in game against Italy. <laughs> so. Uh, True. So hopefully that won't happen again. Um, and, and darn it, Jill's not going to let that happen again because she's calling those players in early. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to miss your club games. How do you like them apples? And then she sends two of them back. It's like, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, we got to get down to 23 player roster. Uh, Kalia Ohai and uh, Jaylene Hinkle, uh, thanks for your service. Uh, sorry you didn't miss your games. Yeah. Not, uh, not cool. Not cool, Jill. Not cool. Uh, yeah, that, and this is not the first time that we've had to call Jill out on that. No chill, Jill. I like it. She, Jill has no chill. All right. Um, well, Dave, I'm sure we have some mail that we should probably get to. I would hope so. I mean, you can ask us anything. I, I have at least three questions that I know of. There were two emails and one tweeted at us at least only one that i saw maybe you've seen more uh not as of yet but i'm checking because you never know okay by the way the uh u.s's first game is uh, against uh japan 
and that's uh, Thursday night. That's uh, actually where I'll, I'm going to be at the, the Orlando City, New York City FC game. That starts an hour early, though. The U.S. women at 7, Orlando City plays at 8. We'll talk a little bit more about Orlando City at New York, or against New York City FC at home a little bit later. But we're going to get to our, our email, our, our mail, basically. Uh, not all of it's the E variety. Oh, well, it's all E variety, but it's not all email, if that makes sense. It sadly does. <laughs> and you said it so well. Yeah, I did not, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> all right, so let's uh, tell the kids how they can ask us anything, Dave. Well, you can go on the Twitters and use the hashtag AskTMLPC uh, because Michael decided that uh, PC was going to stand for podcast. But uh, anyway, that's hashtag AskTMLPC. Ask TMLPC. Uh, of course, you can at the mainland. You can at mainland Michael. You can at mainland Dave uh, to any of the above to get it to us. Of course, you can also email us um, at um, the mainland at gmail.com if you want to do it uh, the supposed old fashioned way. You can, of course, send it by carrier pigeon if you happen to know where we live, although I don't think we've gotten any that way so far. Yeah, send us an owl here at Hogwarts. Mm. Um, Send us a raven. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, by the way, there are no new five-star reviews on iTunes to read, so that'll save us some time this week. But we checked this that's week, right. so that's good. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's start with the Gmail, uh, because we have some Gmail. We've gotten some Gmails, and we need to read the Gmails. Um, anyway, I digress. The first question comes to us from friend of the podcast, Lee. If my computer will catch up with my superior speed brain. <laughs> okay, I'm not sure if that says something more about our computers or our brains. How's my brain faster than a computer? I don't know. All right, Lee says, this is a good one. I, I really like this one. Since my uh, current MLS fantasy team name is Jason Christ related, I think it's past time I came up with a new one. I'm running a bit low on Orlando City-related puns, however. The best that I have so far are St. Elmo's Dwyer and Inspector Gadget. Can you two think of anything more clever and amusing? Any suggestions would be welcome. Thanks. Dave, what do you got for Lee? Uh, I don't know if I have anything more clever than that. I'm trying to figure out something O'Connor-related. Let's see. Um... I've got, I'm going to go like something like, uh, Oh, Connor, can you see, or, um, the, uh, are, are you James O'Connor? Uh, come with me if you want to live. <laughs> All right. Personally, Lee, I got to say as a child of the eighties, I love St. Almost Dwyer. I think that's fantastic. I, I, that was, I agree. That, that was, awesome. I don't think you're coming up with anything better than that, but <sighs> Let me throw this out at you just to give you an option. You don't have to use it. I won't feel bad. It ain't over till it's O-Var. I think there's nothing more Orlando City themed than that. Not currently. <laughs> All right. Uh, it was terrible, but I gave you an option. So don't say I and, didn't and, and you did warn ahead of time. Yes. By the way, we will answer any question. We didn't say we would answer it well. No, that's that's true. But we will answer it. All right, David has uh, sent 
us an email. David Victor says, have you seen, he says, hello, Michael and Dave. Have you seen the previews for Shazam and Aquaman? Do either of you have faith that DC movies are going to be better? I'll let you start. I have seen them. And um, I, if if what I've seen in the previews is indicative of what we'll see in the movies, I actually do feel pretty decent about both of them. Um, I, um, the guys, Zachary Levi is an outstanding actor. I, he was a favorite of mine from the show Chuck. I love Chuck. Um, yes, Chuck was incredible. If you haven't watched Chuck, it's it's on one of the Netflix or Hulu's or whatever. Go go watch it. It was it's outstanding. It also has Yvonne Stravinsky. Um, but I think that uh, tonally, he is he's perfect for that that character and. You know, there was a lot of worry early on about uh, maybe the costume looks a little too cheesy, but I think that may be what they're they're going for a little bit more of a Guardians of the Galaxy, not quite Deadpool, but you know, definitely Guardians of the Galaxy humorous uh, type thing, which they desperately need. So uh, I like that. And then I actually just saw the Aquaman one today. Um, you know, it's going to be it'll be a little bit more serious, but I don't think it's going to be as dark as some of the other stuff they had. More in line with. Uh, you know, Wonder Woman. Although I did hear somebody say that it's essentially the story of Black Panther, which, you know what? There's only so many stories in comic books out there, and uh, Aquaman probably came first anyway. So, um, you know, as far as how it does is in regards to the uh, um, in world physics, uh, you know, with talking underwater and fishes and whatever else. Uh, you know, suspension of disbelief will allow me to enjoy that, but I, I think I think it looks good. So, overall, if those are their next two offerings, that's that's way better than than what they've previously done. So I'm I'm liking it. All right, I will be less verbose than Dave's answer. I will say that yes, I saw both trailers, enjoyed them both tremendously. As for whether or not it makes DC's movies better, I'm. I'm the wrong person to ask because I have no problem with DC's movies to this point, other than maybe Green Lantern. Um, Ooh, I, yeah. I think that, the, and, and even that I thought was okay. I, you know, I enjoyed it. It wasn't, it wasn't terrible. I didn't think. I mean, I know people hate it, but I didn't hate it. Um, I think that, you know, stylistically, it's probably not the choices I would have made, the ones that Zack Snyder made. But uh, you know, it's Zack Snyder, so it's his call. And I, you know, I got enjoyment out of all of them and i think that aquaman was my favorite was he may have been my favorite uh from justice league so i'm really anticipating a good movie it's going to be wall-to-wall action it looks like it's going to be tremendous special effects uh whereas shazam i think is going to be like you said more guardians of the galaxy ish in terms of of comedy maybe like of thor ragnarok kind of thing um I, i i anticipate that both are going to be quite enjoyable there you have it. Yep. Thanks for the question, Lee. Uh, what do we got in the old Twitter? Do we have anything from Mark Johnson, by the way? Dave? We do. If you're looking for through Twitter. I'm looking through uh, Twitter. I wanted to know if we have anything from Mark. We do. So uh, from friend of the podcast, Mark Johnson. Uh, taking a break from uh, his uh, law school, or excuse me, um, uh, what's the exam that they have to take, the bar exam stuff. Um, should we all pitch in to buy Pro Ref's new glasses? No, they can buy their own damn glasses. They're stealing money from, from MLS. 
Yeah, that's that's a good point. Yeah, they're they're we are definitely not getting our money's worth so far. So, um, yeah, and as a matter of fact, uh, maybe not even glasses. I don't want any any problems with them uh, fogging up. So, uh, if those guys could make sure that they've got contacts, if they need bifocal contacts, go ahead and do that. Wh- whatever it needs to be. But, um, yeah, I'm I'm in agreement. I, I don't want to pay for it. Yeah, we already are. Yeah, <laughs> we paid enough, really. Um, thanks, Mark. Uh, Ryan Smith, uh, he want, he has a question. He first wants to state that he's uh, he's bought in with O'Connor. He's tactically sound, and the boys look better. That said, do you think the front office would sack him before season end in any win versus loss scenario? And if so, why? Um, well, I suppose if they lost every single game, maybe. Um, if since that's a technically a scenario, but um, I don't think that'll happen. So I, I I believe that I believe them when they say that they got the guy that they wanted, and I think that um, the results that he's gotten so far, especially when you consider the refing that we talked about earlier, are promising. So I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm buying in also Ryan, uh, and I don't think that uh, I don't think what we'll be saying goodbye to him, you know, by the end of the season. I have been of the opinion twice now that I think Orlando City moved at the wrong time. Um, I, I'm i just not buying that, that things couldn't have gotten better when Christ got his starters back. And I definitely didn't buy into Adrian Heath getting sacked. Uh, one league loss after, uh, what was it, a six-game unbeaten streak, an eight-game unbeaten streak. It was, it was something – I mean, the team was actually yeah. playing well. They were – they were level, I think, on points for the last playoff spot, but they didn't own the tiebreaker. Uh, yep. Price had his team above the playoff line when he was fired. Um, so I don't have any idea what this front office will do. I, I, if they don't make the playoffs, I don't feel good about James O'Connor staying because mm-hmm. they've said, we feel like this roster should make the playoffs. We just need the right coach to do it. This is the coach they picked. They've said he's their guy, the number one choice. So basically... I think he's got to make the playoffs to be safe. And if he, to be safe, yeah, if he doesn't make the playoffs, do I think they'll fire him? I think they shouldn't, but I don't know if they will. Um, That's, you know, I I think uh, first of all, James O'Connor's first look at MLS, his first trip around the league. So I think he's got some learning to do. He's a young coach. He's a good coach. He's a young coach. He needs, he needs some time. Um, He's already looks like he's got this team energized and playing better. He seems to be saying and doing the right things, but that doesn't necessarily mean that there's that he's going to be safe. And I, I just don't have any faith in this front office. And, and quite honestly, if, if they do fire James O'Connor at the end of this season, because he didn't make the playoffs, everyone's got to go above him. Everyone I'm talking yeah. GM. I'm talking CEO. Because they went out and said, these are our guys. This is the guy, our number one choice, who's going to get us there. So if he doesn't get him there and he's deemed a failure, who really failed here? The guys that hired James O'Connor, right? I would would tend to agree with you on that, yeah. So that's my take on it. I think that uh, right now, the two guys who should really want James O'Connor to start winning games, and I know they do, but for different reason. (laughs) <laughs> are Alex Latow and Nikki Budalich. Those guys need James O'Connor to win as much as James O'Connor needs to win. Uh, yeah, well, and and we all 
we all hope that that's indeed what is happening. Although, like you said, early results seem to be favorable, but um, especially coming in with this uh, stretch of games that they're having to deal with. So if he can navigate that, you know, in, in not horrible fashion, then I think that bodes well. Uh, we'll see what happens. I mean, you know, it, it, <laughs> Jason Christ had extenuating circumstances. They didn't save him. Uh, will, will, will Sylvia Petrescu uh, decision-making cost James O'Connor in the end because they missed the playoffs by a point? I don't know. It's hard to say. But I appreciate the question, Ryan, and uh, we thank you for that. And uh, please get your questions in every week. Hit us up on Twitter. We are at the mainland, and you can use that hashtag AskTMLPC. Uh, the reason it's AskTMLPC was because AskTML was already taken. It was already a hashtag when I when I started this thing. You know what? It actually rolls off the tongue better with the PC, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, it was just going to be P, but it was TMLP didn't sound right, so the, the no. PC at the end sounded right, uh, and then you know they signed PC, so now he thinks it's his podcast. <laughs> well uh, then he's not putting the work in that's all i'm gonna say about that um or you can uh, of course email us at uh, the mainland at gmail.com i know i said a long time ago we're getting a, a new dedicated email address but god knows when that's going to happen i've i've inquired i will i will make another inquiry and see if that's any closer sometimes things at uh at our our mothership move a little slowly but uh that's okay it's okay. It's it's still coming. Yeah. Just you know, it's not like you can't do anything else in the meantime. That's right. We got our Gmail account. That's all that matters. The the mainland at, at gmail.com. Just hit us up. Ask us anything. All right, Dave. Before we get out of here, we've got um, a couple of games to talk about for next week. Uh, we've got Thursday night coming up. New York City FC at Orlando City Stadium to go for the sweep. And Orlando has not scored a goal in this series this year. Will Patrick Vieira's uh, moving on to Nice have uh, anything to do with this? What do you see happening? What's your key matchups? What's your prediction? Oh, yeah. All right. So um, key matchup, um, once again, the 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 guy that you, you got to watch out for, uh, David Villa on that squad. And, and can we can we keep them uh, out of the back of the net? So um, a lot of it's. So much depends on on who James O'Connor plays, but um, I think we'll we'll still see uh, O'Neill. Um, I anticipate we'll still see Schuler. Um, the question is whether we'll have um, Joe back in goal uh, again, or if Earl Edwards uh, Jr. will have, have gotten better. Um, these are questions that we're all asking. Um, so my uh, my matchup is is David Villa against the defense and um, how, how much they can limit him uh, as far as my score prediction I'm going to be on a positive note and say a one one draw oh man uh, now I have to change my final score prediction because you took mine yet again I don't, oh, I'm, gonna wait, start, before... I'm just gonna start going first from now on okay well before <laughs> you do though I do want to give it up to you because you did predict the Philadelphia scoreline of 2-1 loss. So you finally got one right. No, no. No, I didn't. No? It was 1-0. Oh, was it 1-0? Oh, that's right. I believe that I picked 1-0 for the Columbus game. <laughs> you did pick 1-0 for the Columbus game. So I just had the, the – I got one right. I just got the wrong date. Oh, yeah. Okay. 
Uh, See, I tried. Yeah. Well, okay. Um, here's my key matchup because Orlando City has not scored against this team this year. Uh, I have got to say that the key matchup for me is busting past Alexander Ring. That guy has been tremendous against us. He mm-hmm. has been fantastic. He's shielded their back line so the back line hasn't had that much to do. Um, but it's certainly the Orlando City attacking midfield against Alex Ring. That's where I see this uh, matchup uh, pivoting. I think that that's going to be the key. At Orlando City, uh, it's important to score the first goal, but they can't score the first goal if they don't score a goal. And they haven't been able to do that against the Pigeons this year. I will say that the final score then will be 2-2. I have to say 2-2. Because you took okay. one one, you took one one, and you took it from me, and I'm never forgiving you. <laughs> so here's your opportunity for uh, um, to forgive me is you get to go first on the next one. All right. So uh, you know the schedule makers love Orlando City, and they're sending Orlando back to LA for the second time this year. <laughs> the Lions have never won in the state of California, Dave, as you know. Uh, oh, and one against the Galaxy. Oh, and one against LAFC. And oh, and oh, oh, and two out there against San Jose. So no wins in California. Key matchups and predictions. I will go ahead and go first. You must control the Zlatan. You have to control the Zlatan. <laughs> that has Are to we- happen. So you're daring to control Zlatan? Yes, you you have to dare to Zlatan, Orlando City. You you must you can, you have to mess with the Zlatan. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's imperative that you mess with the Zlatan, um, because he will just absolutely destroy you. He will score goals that make Will Traps look like a weak bouncer that went off three guys. He will just absolutely destroy this back line and this defensive midfield if they give him space. So they cannot give him space. That is the key matchup. Orlando City's defense against the Zlatan. Uh, My prediction is a 2-1 LA win. Okay. Um, So now I know how you feel. You stole everything that I was going to say. Good. See how you like it. That's right. <laughs> now, uh, now I have to make something up. Um, that's not what you said, even though I completely agree with you. So I'm going to say that the um, uh, the key matchup is going to be how good uh, Orlando City can continue to counterattack. Um, I anticipate that... Uh, LA is going to score a goal and that Zlatan is going to score a goal at least one. So um, if, if they can feed off of what they did in the Columbus game early where they were getting, you know, good counterattacks and scoring goals that way, then that, that will help. Um, however, uh, I'm going to have to agree with you on your prediction of a two, one loss. Yeah, and I want to congratulate in advance uh, David Villa and Zlatan for their um, MLS Goal of the Week candidates. <laughs> right. <laughs> you heard it here first. Yeah. <laughs> Preemptively, uh, congratulations. Uh, yeah, not, uh, not, 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 not feeling it that game. I mean, just uh, I don't know what it is about California, but it, it, it has not been good for Orlando. Even the trips to San Jose haven't been good for Orlando. So. Um, 
here's one good thing. Um, typically, when they go out west, they go out a little bit early, right? Yeah. Well, here's what's going to happen. They're going to probably leave Friday, or I would say they'll, leave, or they'll probably leave Friday. They'll play Thursday night, and then they'll leave Friday, and they'll be out there on short rest after a long cross-country trip, and that's never a, a good recipe. I didn't say that it, that was good. I'm simply saying that they, unlike a normal week, they can't go out there on Thursday when they've historically done that and it's gone bad. So I, maybe it's better. I don't, I'm looking for something, anything. Well, you keep grasping at straws. <laughs> so we'll be back to talk about it all next week. Uh, we'll break down a little bit Orlando City against New York City FC and against the LA Galaxy against Andy. Uh, the schedule should ease up a bit after that for the remainder of the season after Orlando's good and far out of the playoffs. Uh, <laughs> they've made, they've made sure of that already. And, oh, you know, yeah. even if they, oh, they started to play good, uh, give them a penalty. Um, but that's, that's just the way it goes. This, this is a, the cursed team. It picked up the idol and that the break much left in Hawaii and it's, it's been worn around the neck the neck of Kingston or something. I don't know. I'm trying to find out where this bad juju is coming from. Uh, anyway, uh, we'll talk about those games. We'll talk a little bit about the Tournament of Nations. Uh, maybe we'll have some news on the on the uh, trade front, the transfer front. Who knows? Uh, I don't. I, I couldn't tell you, but I can tell you this. We'll be back to talk about it next week. So. Why don't we wrap up episode number 135 of the Mainland Podcast? Sorry we didn't have a guest this week, uh, guys. This is the first time in the calendar year, and uh, we had to record a little early this week. So it left us a little bit less time to you know, dig one up. And, and again, I ran outside. I yelled Sylvia Petrescu's name several times. Nobody, we tried. nobody answered. There was no response. His people didn't get back to my people and uh, didn't make any effort. You couldn't be bothered. But, uh, you know, so, you know, feel free to let him know about it on Twitter. <laughs> God, I can't even imagine that he's got a Twitter. I can't even imagine he's got a Twitter account. Uh, but it's probably a funny name. If he does, it's probably like, you know, ref boss ref or something like that. You know, boss ref yeah. ref X because yeah. he's cool. <laughs> it's it's probably ridiculous. Anyway, uh, so on behalf of David Rowe, I will sign off of episode number 135 of the Mainland Podcast by uh, saying, as I always do, by the way, Michael Citro, the managing editor of the Mainland.com, signing off saying, go city and go U.S. women's national team. <laughs>